It is interesting to see NFTs enter hip hop space, right? I mean, Snoop Dogg, I didn't get to mention this in the article, but Snoop Dogg is working with Fluff House and has raised, he's like worked with them to mint NFTs, I believe. He's worked in the NFTs, people, you have to look at them. These fucking Fluff World NFTs are nightmare creations, dude. <laughs> this is this is procedurally generated hell. Just straight demons. If you you think the apes are ugly, my buddy, <laughs> my brother in Christ, you don't know what you're talking about. Look at these. These are I think the worst NFTs I've ever seen. Oh, give me bakes over fluff anytime, any day. <laughs> <laughs> this is, is wild. It's uh, insane. <laughs> but what is it with? like these rappers and, and celebrities like like why is Snoop Dogg teaming up with, with Fluff to do NFT shit? Why is Brie Larson tweeting out PS1 level graphics of her metaverse house? Like <laughs> like what, what the fuck is up with this? Ed, Ant, help me understand why are the, are the celebrities okay? Blink twice if you need you help. You know celebrities are not okay. They're not like us. They The, the wealth they've hoarded has rotted their minds uh, it's like my favorite bible quote says right that the, the, the corroded treasure that they've hoarded will testify against them on the day of judgment they, they'll realize a little too late that they're boosting ugly pictures of humanoid rabbits and what else right uh, but you know I will say this Fluff House has managed to do something I thought no one would do, uh, which is make what I what is clearly the worst, I think, worst looking NFT. I mean, you know, there's been competition. There's been strong competition. And that's, you know, that's what's kept the NFT market so dynamic. Right. You know, all of them could be the worst looking NFTs. But now we have really a promising future. This one, I think it is a race to the bottom. And, and looking at these uh fucking Donnie Darko ass humanoid procedurally generated uh, NFT rabbits. I've, I feel like we have smashed dead dead center into that rocky bottom. Ed, did you find out if Alex Schmiel worked on Donnie Darko as like a C CGI person and then these are just, these NFTs are what hit the cutting room floor <laughs> while he was making the movie? You know, honestly, maybe, maybe uh, the people who made the soundtrack for uh, Donnie Darko will be the next artist, musical artist that will make it into the Hume Collective, as they call their uh, as they call their music label. <laughs> Don't like God. any of that. Don't like any of that. We love idealism, folks. We love it. <laughs> it's Hello, friends and enemies. It's episode 146 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. So let me let me just let me just start things off right away with a with a quote from 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 our boy Ed, who 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 went down to South by Southwest last week. Uh, he you know he took TMK on the road, um, and 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 this is this is what this is what you found in your own. Uh, uh, Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing. Quote, This week, while at South by Southwest to speak on two panels about crypto skepticism and algorithmic labor, I was able to check out if crypto, NFTs, Web3, and the metaverse really were taking over Austin. 
What I found was a deeply underwhelming, mundane, and frankly pathetic series of demonstrations and setups that suggest if these digital technologies do take over the world, it'll be because of how much money their biggest boosters have and how easy it is for that money to generate interest as opposed to anything of true social utility. Sounds like you had a great time, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I did. You know, like I was telling you, I like, I like playing in the mud with the pigs. You know, um, and there were a lot. There was a lot of mud, and there were a lot of pigs over there. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think most of the people I had conversations with did not really care for crypto, did not know much about crypto, um, and were. Mm checking it out because they thought they probably should check it out. The crypto people themselves, I would divide into two groups of like, you know, people who really believe the hype or grifters. And then people who are like proposing a really, maybe an interesting thing. Um, I found none of the really interesting stuff in the NFT shit in the, you know, art shit and the expos, the installations. Like I found is like the most interesting thing was this one company, this DeFi company, decentralized finance company that wants to um, basically uh, democratize the means of uh, speculation, let's say, right? They want to like create technology that will allow pretty much anyone to create decentralized finance uh, uh, products, services, and goods. Um, and that was terrifying, but also incredibly fascinating. Um and I need to learn more about them. But, you know, the the NFT shit, most of the crypto shit, weird. Weird, bad, uninteresting, horrible, pathetic. I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it seemed like South by Southwest. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't there, but you were there. Uh yeah, and you were down there with some with some friends of the pod as well. You know, you were on a panel with Jacob Silverman and Ben McKenzie, um, who, you know, we, we haven't had either Jacob or Ben on the podcast yet. Much much to our I mean, that's our bad, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but you know, pe- people listening to TMK will know that Jacob is an uh, is one of the best kind of crypto skeptic, crypt uh, you know, critics, reporters. Uh, around cryptocurrency and blockchain and Web3 um, out there working for the New Republic, you know, but does like really serious reporting, but unlike a lot of the stuff out there, very critical as well. And Ben McKenzie, who's an actor and is, you know, working on on a book with Jacob. So you were on a panel with them. You were on a panel with friend of the pod, Vina Dubal, um, Dara Kier, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name of the other person um, who you were on a panel with talking about. Oh, Willie yeah, Willie really Solis, who's a uh, gig worker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about algorithmic uh, labor and management. Um, so you, you know, you were down there doing the work, but it sounds like from what what I saw from from you and other people, um, mainly on Twitter about about South by Southwest last week, that it it just seems like it really got taken over by crypto and blockchain and NFTs and Web3. Like, like that just seems like the overwhelming uh, majority of what the, the like tech side of South by Southwest was this year. I mean, you, you, you laid it out in the piece you wrote for, for Vice Motherboard that, you know, Blockchain Creative Labs was a major sponsor of South by Southwest. 
you know, there was also representation by uh, a number of other people we'll talk about uh, and companies, but also, you know, you mentioned that uh, Celsius Network, which is uh, currently being accused by the state of Texas of selling unregistered securities and is themselves, you know, one of the world's largest crypto lenders, was front and center in one of the big giant exhibition halls in South by Southwest. Like, it just sounds like they, like, a lot of that crypto money we know is sloshing around and we know, uh, you know, if anything, just from the Super Bowl alone and the, the, you know, uh, fiascos and whatever around that, that there's a lot of fucking marketing money coming out of these companies. It seems like they really lavished it on taking over South by Southwest. Yeah. And I mean, to an extent they did. I mean, right. Like, the expo space is pretty expensive. Like in the exhibition hall, some of the people are talking about they were paying like easy six figures, right? Because you have to basically all you get is floor space. You have to pay extra to put a rug. You have to furnish it yourself. You have to fly people out. You have to pay them for their time there unless you're vol- getting volunteers. There's uh, a lot of money that's being spent. A lot of them also had installations that were going on on the side. And so you'd have to rent a space, hire a PR firm, uh, get catering and service and all this shit, run that for days. They're inflated rates and rents because it's South by, um, and they can get away with charging higher rates than usual. So, I mean, some of these places were spending, you know, five to seven figures. Some of these corporations are spending five to seven figures to basically generate and gin up interest, right? To get people in the door, because the idea is once you get people in the door, you can generate FOMO. Here we are having a good time. Here we are making money. Here we are making art. Here we are being part of the future. And there you are not doing any of those things with us, right? But you can join. It's not too late to join. Um, I mean, you had events with fucking like car manufacturers were making NFTs. You had a you had a member of Lincoln Park. He was making an NFT while discussion happened. What the fuck? Uh, you, <laughs> you, I mean, it was just like it was nonstop absurdities. I saw a lot of NFTs. There were there were t- some. There was an NFT house, right? There were NFT minting integrated into a lot of events. There were NFTs that were being used as proof of attendance. There were NFT meetups. There were NFT parties. There's a DJ set with Paris Hilton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the and initially it was invite only to people who had one of her NFTs. I And if you did it, then you would have to purchase it to get invited to the party. And the NFTs were ridiculously priced. A uh, few hundred dollars for a stupid picture. It was weird. It was uh, it was weird because I think also it's like they are doing the same sort of thing that corporations in general just do there, right? I mean, it was also going to parties that were hosted by like TikTok, right, and Amazon and Twitter, like just and CNN, and you know they'll take over a space the same way. Um, they'll put their logo everywhere. They'll pay PR to get people in the door and to take pictures, but it's really just there to be like we're having a good time with this brand. Remember to use our product. Right. There were con- mm-hmm. There's a concert. There's a Lizzo concert at the Amazon setup. There was like a weird little ink.com had a founder's house or something. I stayed away from that, but <laughs> I'm not going to anything <laughs> called the founder's house. Uh, <laughs> uh, there were events sponsored by all sorts of corporations. That's some, that's some real life. That's some real life get out right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I would say, I would say, so it's like on one level, 
these corporations are doing what every other corporation is doing. I mean, these are crypto companies. They're trying to legitimize. They're trying to go legit. They're trying to garnish more attention or ga- or garner more attention. So you just do what other corporations do to generate markets, right? Or to generate demographics or to generate interest in certain demographics. But on the other hand, like the way in which they're going about it is pretty pathetic because these aren't real things. These aren't real products, right? You have to, you have to hype it a bit. And the ways in which you hype it often made me just cringe. Your piece like spends a lot of time talking about this one, I don't know, exhibition or something that you were at by Fluff House, right? Like what, what, like tell us about this fucking like weird, like, like nightmarish trip uh, that's Fluff House. Yeah, I didn't add it in the piece, but when I first saw it, I thought it was a furry thing. Um, and, <laughs> and I was, and I was like, do I go into this or not? Uh I decided not to put it because I think furries are some of the most vicious opponents of uh, NFTs, um, especially as I was going to say the furries are comrades, man. Like the, yeah. they're, they're really out there. Like, like taking the, taking the shit to task. Yeah. So, I, so it's just like when I walked by, I thought it was just like a giant furry meetup, but they, but I saw a bunch of QR codes and I was like, this is some crypto bullshit. I can tell. I know it. I know. I've I've been I've been walking through enough of these b- things to know. Um, so I go in. And like I talk about in the article, it's just weird. Like they had these dark rooms where you basically worship a rabbit. It feels like you worship the rabbit. That's the god of their ecosystem. Smeal told me. Um, you accidentally weird- walked into Web three Midsummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly, man. Oh my god. I mean, yeah, I just you like um they give you they give you something for the pain and it's just it's just a little, a little molly. Um they did have a rave or of some sort of party, you know, um that was interesting. Uh the I didn't really like the DJ that much, but it was interesting nonetheless. You know, I tried to go to both the daytime and nighttime events because I wanted to get a good sense of like, okay, am I just like bitter? Uh, in the sense that, like, I don't like that these people are taking up any more space than they should. Um, are the parties actually fun? Are they enjoyable? Most of them were not. But Fluff in particular was interesting to me because, like, most of the people I talked to while I was at the Fluff Village, as they call it, had no fucking clue what was going on. None. Right? Thought they were in some, like, something that had something to do with crypto right but couldn't for the life of themselves explain what it was and there was really no real attempt to explain what was going on either right you just had like massive screens showing some panels but you had to tune into the panel and really listen to it other screens having like intense weird visions of bunnies um the nfts were horrific and you didn't really know what they were used for when I tried to flag down people to talk to, they were like, oh no, talk to this person, talk to this person. So I was playing tag until I got tired and I just went to the front desk and looked for um, one of the PR people. And yeah, you know, Fluff House is, um, I'm glad I made it the center of it because it is the weirdest one. I mean, like, you know, as I talk about, and as they insist, you know, in their, in their interview with me, they want to build a community where users 
can generate content that's commodifiable and generate real returns. They want artists to be able to make a living. They want musicians to make a living. But their idea to do that is to make these, you know, pretty ugly NFTs um, and use them as a basis for an ethos where you're making curated worlds. And maybe these NFTs will live in those worlds and walk around in them. But the premise being that, like, if we go to the extreme and have, like, the fully 3D NFT, then we can convince people that the NFT should live in a fully 3D environment. And then that environment should be commodifiable. I had a metaverse thing where it's like a uh, second life, maybe five times more expensive. That sure. That's an, uh, that's an interesting vision, but not interesting in that like it's good or desirable. Interesting. And in, like, it's kind of insane to think that the reason that the way to save artists from market dynamics that have been preventing and that preventing them from getting livable wages and consolidating all their work under the ownership of a few corporations is to take it to the metaverse where there are no rules or regulations preventing the same sort of thing from happening and relying on them generating a lot of this content and just being even more of a hustler. It just intensifies all the logic and the worst parts of this world that have left everyone out to dry. Yeah, the way you describe you describe it in the piece is, quote, the Fluff Project is a venture by New Zealand creative studio Non-Fungible Labs, offering a collection of three-dimensional rabbit avatars as the cornerstone of a community. The focus on rabbits traces back to a giant Flemish rabbit owned by a creative director that Alex Schmill, the co-founder of Fluff, said has become the, quote, god of our ecosystem. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's very, it's, it's hilarious. It's such a great uh, thing to like center as the the main kind of uh, you know grounding or case study of your article uh, in part because it sounds like it represents all of the uh, all of the like inane uh, like stupid like like pointless extremes that well aren't really extreme but are really quite representative of the system like uh, of of this like whole ecosystem as they put it you know this idea that everybody's worshiping this, you know, these white rabbits or whatever, which is also like very obviously to me, at least uh, a reference to, you know, like Alice in Wonderland, right? Like follow the white rabbit and, you know, and also obviously having a lot of these callbacks to that, like 70s psychedelic uh, culture, you know, the, the counterculture, right? Like, and we heard, you know, for, uh, we we know about this from the work of like the media uh, media studies scholar Fred Turner's book from counterculture to cyberculture. You know that there's like these constant like hearkening back to uh, you know the the the, the psychedelic uh, you know like kind of playing around with the these cultish vibes as well. That you know you're going into this space and it's about creating community, but also it's kind of a cult. But also everything is um, a cult of capital because it's all hyper commodified and hyper commercialized. But also it's about uh, creating ways for artists to live. But also it's about this and also it's about that. <laughs> you know, it's just like it, it, it is itself almost this performance art that like it sounds like it 
wants you to fall down this rabbit hole, uh, to go, you know, just get deeper and deeper into it until your brain has liquefied. Uh, and then all, and then you just accept it. You just accept it into yourself. Stop, stop asking questions. Ed. Just, just accept it. Let the experiences wash over you and transport you to a metaverse where you too can be a giant three dimensional, uh, avatar white rabbit. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's Pandora, uh, right. And all you have to do is you just have to go to it. Yeah. I'm clearly just a hater because I don't understand why we should, uh, we should commodify even more of daily life and why we should financialize even more things. I just, if I understood that, then clearly I would see that NFTs, especially NFTs of rabbits are an ingenious step towards uh, liberating everyone from uh, the crushing grind and hustle of capitalism. <laughs> did you, uh, did you ask them if they tried to copyright uh, rabbits? Like just, <laughs> just a wide net, just throw the net out there and like scoop up anything rabbit related. And all of a sudden they own the copyright on, is that what they were trying to get out with? No, nah, man, that's uh that that would be uh <laughs> nah man it's the metaverse you don't need to you don't need uh there's no copyright in the metaverse man <laughs> it's fighters keepers <laughs> you 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 did what i think good reporting it does which is you you let them drag themselves as well like like you didn't even really have to do much you let them hoist themselves up by their own petards just by like quoting and re their own words and and reporting uh you know what what they were doing talk about white rabbit uh like you talked about how you know quote it's, i'm quote i'm quoting you back at you ed when you uh when the conversation inevitably touched upon the industry's apparent homogeny at, at south by southwest despite making strides in recent years the same old sort of posturing followed and then you just have this this quote uh, from Alex Schmil, the, the, uh, uh, the co-founder of, of, of Fluff, where he says to you, quote, I don't want to live in a metaverse built by white men. Alex Smill, the white co-founder of New Zealand NFT project Fluff, told me in an interview, quote, if we don't engage the rest of the world, the First Nations storytellers, indigenous people, it's going to be a really shitty metaverse. Black people invented culture. <laughs> I read that and I was just, I just said, bruh, come on, you, come on, man. <laughs> it, uh, he looked me in the eyes when he said that. <laughs> he, looked, he looked you dead in the um, eyes and said, Ed, you, so you funny. invented black people like you invented culture. The, the metaverse is for you. <laughs> I didn't add the full exchange, but after that, his, his uh, colleague, who's the co-founder, is in, he's a Kiwi from New Zealand. He was like, I'm sorry, but that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> and then started talking about how <laughs> it was ridiculous because um, he's never said that before. He's never heard him say stuff like that before. <laughs> and then he's like, no, I'm just saying, you know, their contribution to look what they've done with music. Look what they've done with fashion, right? I'm just saying, where would it be without them? And then the other guy's like, I, I understand what you're saying, but everyone around the world has culture. You know, I'm half Indian as well. India has culture, right? China has culture. And these, so these people are just having a woke off in front of me um, because I'm black and they need me to know that I'm, that they're do they're being diverse and inclusive. 
mine was uh, <laughs> I was like, do I add this or not? I think it would have been too much if I added it. Um, so I just <laughs> left that chunk to give you a sense. Let your imagination piece together what kind of people they might be. <laughs> it's like it's like you the judge at the woke Olympics at and they're, they're, <laughs> they're competing in front of you. Who's gonna get gold? Who are you gonna give gold to? I said you invented culture. <laughs> Actually I think uh that whiteies should not have no got no business building in the metaverse. I mean I can hear them putting on some fucking voice immediately. The way that they were looking at me and the way they were arguing it was ridiculous ridiculous oh my god and then shortly after that they're like yeah of course you know we've read we read your stuff we're big fans thanks for talking <laughs> to us yeah if you read my work you know what's you know what i'm quoting first from you guys <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> this on. is the thing as well i mean that yeah the, and then they did actually read what you wrote and they got big mad at you you don't have to get oh. into it if you don't want to but fluff contacted you and was like oh what like this, why'd you write this piece? We thought we thought we thought you were you you were like down, man. We thought you were down with us. But I think it is also like really indicative of the type of reporting that that these uh, people, you know, especially in a place like South by Southwest, like the type of journalists they would expect to talk to, right? Like, like if you're going to be interested in their work, they expect that you are interested in supporting their work, right? Not interested in it in the sense of like interested in understanding what it is so that you can then have like a, a, a better grounded critical analysis of it, but more so interested in understanding what it is so you can know better how to support it. And, and, and like, it's really, uh, shows that like that even even now even today in this the year of our lord 2022 uh like a lot of these co-founders and 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 entrepreneurs and uh, of these uh uh web3 tech companies like they still really expect a lot of just like like unabashed unalloyed uh like adulation and and i think also just the belief or the assumption that you know that belief or assumption that they would get adulation I mean, what I was, I don't think I said anything to really ever make them think that I was going to write anything positive. But then again, I didn't suggest anything negative. I mean, I just listened, I just let them speak. But it does say something where, you know, and I think we've talked about this about how like there's just an assumption or it's maybe a little arrogance that, you know, anyone who talks to them is going to be on their side because, of course, they're going to be on their side. They're on the side of history, they're, they're correct, right? What they want from this world or what they believe that their world can offer people if they do really believe in it um is so obviously correct uh superior um and inevitable that anyone who's talking to them obviously is going to agree with them or can obviously have their mind changed because they may not be as intelligent if they're not already on board with this right i mean and i think that works to my advantage sometimes there is a lot of arrogance in this space there's a lot of arrogance in this industry to their detriment, right? It would be interesting to see like, and talk to people in this industry who are more interested in explaining and defending and, and debating instead of prophesizing, right? There's a lot of, there are a lot of evangelicals um, and they're not really a lot of like, you know, not a lot of like actual thinkers about it at the front lines of these companies. A lot of salesmen, a lot of, you know, uh, preachers, a lot of people who talk real good, 
um, abstractly about the uh, the potential and the possibilities. But if you actually press them on what that looks like or how that is realized, uh, you begin to realize uh, they're just shining shit. Shining shit is a is is a is a nice way to put it. I mean that that's that's what a lot of what it sounded like South by Southwest was really about. Which I mean also just really goes to show how much of what this what this space, as they like to call it, you know, these spaces yeah. are are really about is about making it happen through spending a lot of money on marketing, um, doing a lot of market manipulation. Uh, you know, it, it's all about like creating demand, you know, generating supply from nothing. I mean, you know, NFTs, right? You just generate that shit from thin air, but then you got, but then the real work comes not in the production of the, of the, uh, of the asset to sell, but of a market in which you can sell it and demand for that asset. You know, that, that has been the case with, um, as we've talked about, as many people have talked about, that's, I mean, that's like a core function of the political economy of Silicon Valley is, you know, creating markets, creating demand, uh, for this shit that you want to sell. Um, but I mean, it just seems like web three next, next generation of the, of, of the internet is just cranking that shit to 11, you know, in terms of, of really just purely being focused on, creating demand for fictitious capital, fictitious commodities, uh, and, you know, just these fictions. You put it really well at the, at the end of your piece. I mean, I'm just, I'll just quote the, the last sentence that you write where you say, I just expected that the inordinate wealth present in this space would mean something more impressive than Second Life mods projected on the screens. But maybe that means the hype is working if I naively anticipated anything other than spectacles, given how little of this space is anything other than speculation, speculative finance, speculative tech, and speculative visions. Speculation. I mean, that's just like, that's what the world runs on in, in crypto. Crypto world. I, I think that we can debate whether or not crypto-related technologies are going to disrupt and change the world. We can debate whether or not they can be organized in ways that have social value. Uh, we can debate about whether or not they should be deployed in ways that could have social value. There's no debating that most of what you have now is speculative, right? There's a lot of arbitrage. There's a lot of rug pulling. There's a lot of extravagant scams and exploits. There's a lot of esoteric finance um, games that are going on and products and services being offered. There's a lot of proposals about tech that they're thin or almost vaporware. And there's a lot of hype, a lot of rhetoric, mm -hmm. a lot of white papers, a lot of bullshit being spewed over and over and over again. There's not much actually uh, there. But the projects that are there, the projects that actually are there, that are present, that have something working, they're interesting and should be covered and taken seriously on those merits. But I do think like this, you know, going there made me think about how, and also the panel I had with Jacob and Ben about how sometimes the skepticism is undermined, sometimes crypto skepticism is undermined by itself because it doesn't take seriously, because of how ridiculous some of these things are, we don't take all of it seriously. And that um, this is not to not to say I've suddenly seen the light, right? I think we've said a variant of this before, which is that like, yeah, there, there are some things we should be interested in thinking about, if only because what the uh, the libertarians or what the capitalists are thinking through or other socialists are thinking through about how to apply a DAO or an NFT or a blockchain to some problem might tell us more about 
what non-crypto solutions would look like. That may be the way in which some people want to use DAOs, you know, as we talked about before, could yield insights into what to do about corporations or what to do about non-corporate collectives um, and how and how to build them up. But I think that it's hard to do that when a lot of the space is filled with people who genuinely believe that 3D rabbit NFTs are going to save the music industry. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't know, man. It's kind of hard to take it all seriously when, <laughs> when you spend a few days around that. And, and especially when you spend a few days around that and most of the people there have no fucking idea that's what it's about. I mean, so am I supposed to take seriously a project that isn't even able to, in a space it designed and paid God knows how much money for, uh, communicate what it's actually for? I don't know, man. It's kind of hard. And that's what I saw, not just there, but in almost every single you know crypto project that I went to. And a host of the panels. I mean, I, I like a, a significant amount of panels that I visited and peeked into. Um, but I don't know how to, squ- you know, what to do about that, right? I think all that can be really be done is just continuing to like critically engage with it and look at it and and lay out when it's bullshit and when it's something substantive and when it's something to pay attention to, but not mindlessly boosting as some people do and not mindlessly lurching to you know for the easiest explanation, right? Um, because a lot of, I mean, because it is, some of it is um, complicated. The tech is generally interesting. And the way in which it's emerged and developed has interesting consequences for capitalism and also for socialism and prospects for socialism. But you, to, do, to, to get to that, to get to the meat, you got to get through the fucking veggies, the disgusting pre-GMO Brussels sprout veggies that are like <laughs> most of the NFT projects. And even then, it's like, again, as I'm saying, this is not to say I think let's make a DAO or let's make NFTs. Let's uh, TMK NFT minting live stream tomorrow. But <laughs> I don't know. I just wish, I kind of just wish there was like more substance so I could actually analyze that. You know, <laughs> I kind of just, I kind of want like an actual subject uh, to be curious about. We try uh, constantly to do like materialist analysis of this stuff, but it does make it one of the things that's really difficult to do that is that so much of it is, uh, is, is anti-materialism. It's idealism, right? It's, mm-hmm. it like lives in the realm of the mind. Uh, it, it lives as these uh, specters of imagination. Um, and so we're like constantly trying to find ways to like ground it and find that like material, uh, uh, you know, th- that, that material element to hold and contextualize within political economy, within history, um, understanding the, 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 the social relations and dynamics at the heart of it. But it, it, it it's, it is hard because it, it's, it's, slippery by design like you think you have a hold of it and it just turns into uh you know all that solid melts in the air right it just like eludes your grasp in that way and then if you try to pin it down like you do um south by southwest piece for example but like we do other places as well if you try to pin it down then uh you know it wriggles away from you and then people are like 
you don't understand this. You, 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 you don't understand this thing. Um, he's like, no, but I pinned it down. I saw it. I, I saw it in action. And I talked to the people doing it. And then they're like, yeah, but if you don't share the same understanding and vision of it as we do, then you, 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 are just, you're just grasping at, at ghost here. You don't actually, mm-hmm. you don't actually get it, man. You don't actually get it. And it's because at the end of the day, there's nothing there to get, you know? Right. And, and that, that's like the ultimate defense mechanism here is to be so, uh, incorporeal, uh, so, you know, such a phantasmagoria, such a fantasia, um, that you, you know, you try to pin it down and then there, and then, and then there, and then you end up seeing that you caught, you caught nothing. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes it a, a very interesting, like, a, you know, we're used to hitting these moving targets, but this makes it a very interesting one when the target can then, um, you know, change shape at will, can go in and out of corporeal space at will. Um, but we, you know, we're still, still trying to hit it, still trying to nail it. It's that damn liquid terminator, man. We got to drop it and like lava. <laughs> That's right. That is what crypto is. Crypto is the liquid uh, terminator. <laughs> <laughs> like as time develops, we may be able to like get more concrete because it is kind of still early. And I mean, all right, all right, I should step back. It's not early because, and Jacob was telling me this, like people like to say it's early, but it's like been around for a decade. It's not like at what point is the tech going to materialize in a way that is transformative, that it has social value and use that's unimpeachable and indisputable. This is a big question. And until we see that, then it is really hard to be anything other than a skeptic about it. Right. I'm not really interested in ancillary or incidental uses. How, if this is as transformative, then let me see it be transformative and like, you know, it being adopted as a currency for a country is not transformative. It allowing for cross border payments, uh, cross border payments is not in of itself transformative. That's a nice thing. That's a nice addition. It, allowing for group speculation not necessarily transformative like what are the things that i'm supposed i'm supposed to be waiting for a massive upheaval social or financial or economic or political arrangements when what seems to just be happening is reification of them or incorporation into pre-existing arrangements that doesn't you know that's not satisfactory Hmm. i I feel the only solution we have left now is to just drop it all in a volcano. I mean, aren't they talking about doing that in like El Salvador? I mean, they got volcano bonds. Yeah, they got volcano bonds. I mean, just drop the whole Bitcoin mining industry just right in a volcano. It's, that's how they did away <laughs> with the Liquid Terminator in the second Terminator movie. Maybe that was the analogy that we were, that they were trying to mm-hmm. get at. That it wasn't it wasn't the robots that were going to get us. It was going to be blockchain. <laughs> I mean that that I'm I'm reappropriating volcano bonds for the Luddite cause. Volcano bonds means just dropping the shit into a volcano. Uh <laughs> shout, shout out to to friend of the pod Aaron Thorpe who <laughs> got <laughs> repeatedly banned from Twitter for also threatening to throw people into volcanoes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh all right, well, true uh, tradition of, you know, if all this shit is hearkening back to that, like, you know, 70s psychedelic follow the rabbit down the, down the hole. And you're, you're our, you're our Hunter S. Thompson doing gonzo journalism, you know, you doing fear and loathing in South by Southwest. 
uh, <laughs> walk us through some of the other stuff that you, cause you, you were there for about a week. So walk us through other stuff that you saw that you didn't get a chance to, to fit into the article or write about, but is, you know, burnt into your frontal cortex. There's the doodle house. How could I forget the doodle house full of fallout boy looking NFTs that vomit. They offered free noodles, which they ran out of. They offered us a nail saloon um, where they would do your nails. Um, they offered a giant oversized screen for you to pl- paint um, with a time lagged uh, cursor. Um, and they offered M&Ms that looked like uh, Molly. There was <laughs> uh, there was a blockchain, a creative labs, which is um, this company that was a massive sponsor of South by Southwest. I think one of the main sponsors of it this year. They had an algo rave, uh, where and sometimes algo rave algo raves are basically where you have code playing alongside that's supposed to represent the uh, the music itself, or you know, show what's actually show some code that's being related to what the uh what's generating the music uh this one was not real in that like it was just randomly generated code on the screen maybe that's a thing that they do but i don't know i've been to a few where they don't do that and it's and it's real but whatever you know (laughs) um um not a lot of people dancing at that one there was a simulation that you're supposed to wait in line for that i tried to but the wait was like maybe 50 minutes i gave up um there was an event with uh, Porsche and a few other car manufacturers where you could mint an NFT. There was a VR experience where you could be one of the last people pulled out of 9-11, essentially. <laughs> this was a Facebook thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. It was, a, it, you know, um, in theory, I get why they did it. In theory, yeah, sure. Let's have that person direct an experience and they narrate it. Um, don't do that through VR, please. <laughs> what a bad idea. Should have just made a documentary, I think. But maybe that's just me being a boomer, as I've been accused of after writing this article. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, went to um weird NFT meetups. I think I, I lurked at them because I couldn't actually go to the meetups since I didn't have the NFTs. I don't know. They all kind of like blur together. I went to an art gallery that had like di- artists who did digital art and they had augmented and virtual reality stuff uh, that kind of blended together. I met, I went to each of these things for two days or I would try to go at least twice. Went to the, went to another sort of weird NFT installation inside of a house. I don't really know how to describe that other than like, here's an NFT on the wall. You want to look at it? Cool. Okay. Next thing. <laughs> Lame as hell. I mean, we, I want to say that I really did. I really tried to go to the parties, to go to the day events, to keep an open mind. And they were all some of the lamest shit that I've ever been to in my entire life. And it was a surprise, you know, because I was talking with a lot of people who were involved in crypto in the early days and the parties were insane. Mm -hmm. So what was going, what was up? They were not bringing their best, you know? And I don't know, maybe it's like, maybe people are off because they haven't been partying uh, during COVID, although... Oh, you know they have been. I don't believe that. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. I don't believe that. <laughs> so, um, I just don't know what was up. I just don't get it. Everything other than the crypto stuff was great. The film festival aspect, great. The music, great. Loved it. 
amazing time. Crypto, the tech sucked. When you went into these places where they had the NFTs on display, were they in those like old stupid uh, frames that you can put a SD card in and it plays all your, your camera roll? Is that how is that how they do that? <laughs> I, mean, I think some of them might have been. I didn't even fuck around with it. It was like once I saw the some of the janky setups, I was like, nah, I'm not. I'll come back again. I'll like observe and, and gawk at it a little bit, but I can't be in here in a prolonged time. I would talk to people who came in and out uh, to get their sense of the art and if they thought it was useful and if they thought NFT art had some sort of value here, were they getting, were they having feelings evoked in them that were reminiscent of art and being in gallery spaces? And, you know, a lot of people weren't. I think a lot of people went to these things, from my understanding, because they felt that there was a way to make money. And they needed to see if there was a way to make money. And sometimes that meant going to an NFT gallery because you were like, okay, maybe I will buy an NFT elsewhere, buy this NFT. And sometimes that meant going to a crypto community thing because you thought that if you joined the uh, community, you might get an NFT and in on the NFT action before a price jump, right? Or on the token action Mm -hmm. before a price jump. Um, yeah, like you, yeah, some of the jank, the some setups were janky though. Like you quoted one person uh, at the you know who you were talking to at one at the fluff installation, uh, a social marketing manager who held a few crypto uh, tokens. Told you, quote, "I'm not really sure what the point of any of this is. It's all a bit lame, and I don't see any use for this. But maybe other people are interested, so maybe I should buy in." Which I felt like really just like perfectly encapsulated the whole vibe for like this shit seems lame but other people seem to like it so maybe i should maybe i should get in on it you know which is like yeah Mm -hmm. i mean that 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 represents the like the pure uh kind of grift the griftopia element to this where it's like yeah I, i mean i don't like it i don't see any use of it but if other people do then that means the price is gonna go up so so you know get in early I mean, and yeah, I mean, like this community was one where they issued a NFT, they locked it up and then they unlocked it. Right. And that helped generate some sort of like price action uh, to push it upwards. I mean, they know what they're doing in a sense. Right. A lot of these places all understand that there's a speculative element to their NFTs. All of them understand there's a financial interest that a lot of people that drives a lot of people into them. Some of them have rationales about how they're going to beat that some of them think that that's good and that maybe people and that maybe you can generate good outcomes from greed and self-interested behavior i think that you know as i talked about in the article with fluff also with every single project right the money you can't escape the fact that a lot of these things are uh a lot of the ways in which they speak about it is, yeah, you get community important as people are alienated. Yeah. You get a chance to build and create things with other people also connected to the community, but there's money. You can get money. You can make money. You can help earn other people earn money by joining in on this, right? Don't you want money? Don't you want an asset? Don't you want something that will generate income for you? Don't you want passive income? You know, uh, it feels a bit hustler, you know, it feels, it, you know, it's giving, um, it's you know it's giving like uh, multi-level marketing schemes in the way in which you people are approached to help build a space to make money that will also build a space to make money for people who come in after them as long as they bring in people who come in after them and so on and so forth right they're not to say that they are multi-level marketing schemes it's just giving that yeah they give the vibe 
We are we yeah. are legally not saying that these things are multi-level <laughs> marketing schemes, pyramid schemes, or Ponzi schemes. We are merely saying that they give off the vibe of those things. <laughs> right. Very distinct. Very distinct. Legally protected observation. Yeah, le- vibes are legally protected. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let's call spades a spade. Um, we did not call them a spade that's right to be clear that's though. Right. but if we did we'd be if we were calling something a spade we would call it a spade we walk through this like this 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 nightmarish uh realm that you were in <laughs> um uh I, when i mm-hmm. when i tweeted out your your article actually friend of the show who you know um past guests uh lale khalili uh mentioned mm-hmm. you know quote tweeted me uh, mentioning that you know, she did, uh, she said, quote, uh, South by Southwest started when I was an undergrad in Austin. It was fun and chill and weird and anarchic. Now it sounds like a nightmare, um, which I mean, yeah, it's like you live long enough to, you know, see yourself become the villain, <laughs> you know, and that mm-hmm. that's re- re- mm-hmm. really sounds like it's happening. But at the same time, you were there for a while. I know you had some fun, too. Uh, what, what? You know, do you see some good music? You eat some good food? God, I love the food. Austin has great food, right? Great food, right? I got this amazing recommendation of restaurants um, and uh, and venues to check out, and I crossed off everything religiously. Breakfast tacos? Ooh. Step the fuck up, New York. Why do we not have breakfast tacos Everywhere, the way that Austin does, amazing, mm. amazing. Uh, uh, tacos also in general amazing. The barbecue, I may I love barbecue. I thought I was having good barbecue here. It tastes like like paste now when I think about it compared to the barbecue I was having in Texas. The brisket. Oh my god, I, I get flashbacks thinking about how good the meat was. Yeah, oh you're having god. like acid flashbacks, but for barbecue. It was so good. It was so fun. I had a great time eating food. I got to meet, you know, I got to hang out with Jacob and Ben. Got to meet Vina for the first time in person and Dara uh, as well, which was fun. Um, and we we went to we walked miles uh, to avoid using a lift to go um, get a. Uh, get tacos at one place. Um, walked about three miles, I think, and it was closed. <laughs> so then we met up with Wendy and uh, Jason, uh, who you know, friends of the show, and then and went to another place um, in town. Um, and it was good. It was great. I uh, every recipe I liked, I took down. They were also really funnily named things. There were a lot of like the Democrat things. I remember I went to this taco place. And one of their menu items was called like the the liberal or something, um, and it was like <laughs> it was like just veggies. It was it was like a, the only non meat heavy um, option on the menu. The movies are great. I kind I to be honest, I blacked out um, uh, <laughs> for the movie section because I was drinking every day all day <laughs> and um, um except for the days i did my uh panel um and uh i had like a flask from indeed filled with like uh, moscow mules or texas mules as they'd make them there with with it where they at it's a moscow mule basically but with a bunch of tabasco i was i was drinking i was drinking a little bit oh, <laughs> you, you participated in canceling russia i see it's not, not moscow yeah. mules it's texas no mules. no the reason they call it a Texas mule is because it is just a Moscow mule, but they add like a, some a little twist. They have like they add sometimes jalapenos or they add 
uh, Tabasco. But yeah, we were canceling uh, Russia because actually there was a place I walked by that had gone viral on Twitter actually a few weeks ago for removing the Russia on their restaurant, which is called Russia House. So now it's just called House. And you can clearly see the imprint of Russia. And it's just like... It's like <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, something else. Remember that bullshit after 9-11 when, like, the French wouldn't be part of the coalition <sighs> willing and everybody was, like, doing the freedom fries <laughs> or freedom kissing? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. In the town that Jason and I lived in, there was a restaurant called the French Connection, and they just became the connection. But <laughs> <laughs> oh still serve French cuisine. Be more ridiculous, man. Uh, the movies were good. I went to some of the premieres. Uh, I don't really remember them too well. I went to a Linklater one, and I went to the Nicolas Cage one, and one other one i went to alamo draft house which was nice or, or went by alamo draft house i actually don't think it was open when i tried to go in what else you know, a lot of music good music um a lot of i didn't get to see some of the stuff i wanted to because it came on after i left sadly i should have stayed another few days mm. uh, for the non-tech part of south by uh but the accent were pretty good there were a lot of weird things i didn't get to see like um dolly Parton. Performing on the blockchain. Not really sure how that's possible. <laughs> Paris Hilton's huh? uh, DJ set <laughs> for the NFT party. But there were a lot of nice little like secret shows, friends performing uh, who had bands that were headlining events. Um, and there was a lot. I mean, it's kind of insane how much free alcohol there is at all these things. Uh, I mean, insane in the sense like I just forgot. I forgot that that's the vibe <laughs> if you have some sponsored event right because i haven't been to a sponsored event i've been to parties but not sponsored event in a long time you know i think that's really it just like a lot of drinking a lot of watching movies and shows and that was the enjoyable part of it and then in the daytime and for chunks of the night i had to get serious and and show up to crypto shit sober so i could ask people questions and do reporting that's right you had a day job to do. <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah i was not drinking on the clock let's <laughs> or panel. And, uh, do you want to do you want to address the accusations that you had on uh, one of your one of your panels about your fit, and someone made a uh, Tyrone Biggums joke? Do you want to do you have a rebuttal for that right now? Oh my god, dude, <laughs> that killed me. That killed me. It was brutal. <laughs> I had on an orange beanie, uh, a fucking or a brown wool sweater sweat. Um, jacket um some sweatpants that were like cashmere colored and uh and i just shared the picture because i'm like hey, i'm at south by on instagram and someone's like tyro biggums looking ass and like, oh, fucking damn it you oh my god i'm never posting another fucking picture on this side again people are merciless out here in these streets oh my god it's so funny they're one of my best friends they're so cool they never do that shit they just roasted me out of fucking nowhere i did and then and it hurt because they were right (laughs) i did look like tyrone biggums i really did i only roast the people i care about because i have a tendency to be entirely overly brutal with people i don't know so i just don't do it anymore <laughs> you know so you only roast the ones you love but but also right i mean that's fucking harsh but at the same time your your fits <laughs> were looking solid though like it was very Thank funny you. to see you up on those two panels uh just just fucking fitted out making everybody else look like slobs <laughs> 
I appreciate that. I, I mean, on my second palette, they look good, and on my first one, they look good. But I, but I do like that I didn't wear a suit and jacket mm. like I was thinking. Vina had a orange or red. Vina had a red suit. And I was like, good. I should have done that actually. Um, I like, I like, I like colorful suits that pop out. You know, mm. like Team K listeners, you get you hear here first. I'm, I've been planning to be Django for years for Halloween, <laughs> and I finally found the nice blue ruffled suit that he had in there. So, you know, I'm, I just, I, I got slimmed down a little bit to fit into it, but when I do it, I'm going to get the horse whip. I'm going to get the fucking, uh, the little, maybe not the, the little Derringer he got. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I won't walk around with that, <laughs> but <laughs> I will walk around with the horse whip. I, I have three jangle fits. Actually, it's that. Then it's the one where he's, the guy who's the man ding who's looking for a mandingo. And then it's the third one where it's like, he's wearing uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio's <laughs> suit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, those are- you heard it here first. Uh, Django is going to be unchained for Halloween 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Coming to a party yes. near you. <laughs> right. I have to up it after the Joker fit. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget as long as I live. Someone accusing me of wearing white face and saying, "Why are you wearing white face?" <laughs> um, I think I replied because it, it's fun or something. Like <laughs> never forget it. You, my life. you get the wildest replies, man. You get the wildest <laughs> fucking replies. I mean, that's what happens. You're a heavily online guy, so you're gonna get replies. There's two wolves in in uh inside of the reply guys that there's the ones that say why are you wearing white face and the ones that say black people invented culture. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah, those are those are the two spheres of reply guys. <laughs> and so with that said, we're gonna transition to what 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 was up with the hetero app posters that you, you saw in Austin? Oh yeah, hetero. Hetero. Oh my god, dude. They, yo, you know they followed me <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can you imagine they followed me in real life? <laughs> <laughs> it would be it'd be amazing if they were following you and they were playing Three Six Mafia, <laughs> <laughs> trying to holler at you. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. You want? You want? You want some head? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's an app for head, basically. Uh, I don't know, as some of my people, uh, you know, some of my mutuals may have pointed pointed out on Twitter, if they ever said the name of the app out loud because it sounds like hetero, and I'm I'm willing to bet money only straight cis men are going to use the app mm. in Austin. So maybe not the best design, but it was interesting because, okay, so there was an evolution in the marketing campaign, it seemed like, or, and I don't know if maybe it was the marketing campaign or other people memeing. So when I first touched down in Austin, there's a posters everywhere where it's saying, Nick Cage, I'm your biggest fan. Please call me. And then a number is listed. And then the hetero apps are appearing. And then it's saying, Nick Cage is on hetero. Why aren't you? But it's not a picture of him. It's a picture of Jeff um, Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a rash of shirts people wearing a few years ago that had the, uh, the cover of Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures album, and it said Depeche Mode, Boys Don't Cry on it. it was just- <laughs> 
<laughs> that shit is funny, funny. It is funny. I, it was. It was funny. I think they were having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I did not use hetero. Um, <laughs> I downloaded it to see what it was about because I was thinking about blogging blogging it. Because um, my editors were like, "Is this anything?" And I was like, "I'll check it out." Um, <laughs> Your bosses are about. telling you to get on hetero and check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and listen, uh, you've been reporting for a while. <laughs> That, why don't you download the uh, download the app for some reporting? The, the head as a service <laughs> app, <laughs> right? Yeah. Also, nightmare head as a service. Come on, I, the the <laughs> the uh, it's already bad enough with the apps with the with dating apps in the sense that like they've tried to gamify meeting p- people and hooking up with people, but to introduce just like the just an explicit like head. You want some head? <laughs> Awesome head, download the app. <laughs> yeah, straight to the point. I mean, I, I, I mentioned to you guys yesterday when we recorded uh, about how I'm using the dating apps in my local area right now, but I'm using them to find friends, but I'm also using them to find other leftists to build a more of a community with. And I mean, why not? Why not use what's provided to help burn the shit down at a later date? Yeah, but I mean, back in my day, we had hetero, but we called them glory holes. You know, <laughs> yeah, those are still around. Those are still around. <laughs> so tell us all the time, man. Yeah, actually, when I tweeted something about it, I, I learned because a Twitter account for this quote tweeted me. I learned that there's an existence of like, there's like a network of glory holes that in Scotland, and the one, this one Twitter account like manages a very anonymous service where it's like we you bring your dick we give you a hole and we match it with the mouth and everything is anonymous and no one will know what's going on i'm like okay look as long as you don't make a fucking app (laughs) as long as you don't do a fucking app then that's fine but what literally what you just described sounds exactly like how gig economy platforms work like you know (laughs) we're just creating a market for interactions here (laughs) we're just a platform uh for we're just matching mouths to dicks that's really all we're doing here (laughs) (laughs) and a 15 percent fee (laughs) of course yeah i get your taste (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh god man. yeah um it is uh the app i don't know it's like it's fine if you want like you know people as much as i hate i hate apps in general but if you you know they're helpful if you want to use them if you're in an area where you can't find people otherwise what for the love of god do not use how to run. <laughs> <laughs> you know please d- just use another app find someone in a bar hit up a glory hole. I don't know. You know, it's just that we don't, we, we don't need another one, you know? And I don't trust any of the new ones that are any ones that are new and will emerge because I will bet money. I will bet money. There is some VC that we're almost vanquished that is behind it. So that's really where my main hesitance always comes from. It's like, who's financing this shit? It's always some, some fucking VC that belongs in hell. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, just as a little as a little goof or gaff. But uh, I, I mean, you know, we can't give South by Southwest all the credit. Like, you know, yeah, it sounds like it's a, it was a fucking nightmare, and you know, it's taken over by crypto. But that is also what this like South by Southwest festival is all about. Is like it's had the tech angle for it's years. It's had the tech angle right? for years, and every year it is just this playground for uh, both the 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 worst. 
uh, stupidest and funniest things that tech has to offer. Like I just remember from, you know, it was 10 years ago, literally South, you know, the 2012 South by Southwest, there was a, a New York based advertising agency that did this marketing stunt um, called homeless Wi-Fi or homeless hotspots. You know, I don't know if y'all remember that, but you know, the the whole thing was that they just got um, they they paid homeless people in Austin twenty dollars a day uh, to walk around and uh, with a, a T-shirt that said "I'm" and, and then their name, so I'm Joe, a four G hotspot, and then they just paid these these homeless people to walk around South by Southwest um, using four uh, G MiFi devices and you know just be little 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 uh, internet hotspots for participants at south by southwest i mean so like you know this kind of it, it just shows that you know the the really abhorrent uh and obscene stuff you know stunts like this are just like unfortunately a part of the dna of south by southwest at least now it is after it's you know once it's become a fully sponsored industry uh conference so shouldn't be surprised to learn that it ain't changing hell yeah i love it this is really what i want (laughs) this is the future i want (laughs) innovation baby All right, uh, you got any? You got any last any last thoughts to leave us on um, with South by Southwest? Any any last stories, analysis, uh, your fever dreams? I think that if you all go, just stay the fuck away from the tech because uh, that was not fun. But everything else, great, amazing. I love it. I might even go again next year because it turns out one of my best friends from school lives in Austin. He like took a bunch of shrooms when he was there. And he's like, I love this city. I'm moving there. He's also working two jobs. So maybe, uh, the shrooms didn't do everything. (laughs) But I mean, like he, like to say he's working two nine to five tech jobs and collecting the paychecks from both of them simultaneously. That's hustling. Yeah. That's what I said. I said, dude, you don't gotta do that. (laughs) You really don't gotta do that. I don't know, man. He said our dream of labor. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think, uh, I think Austin, good city, great, great people, great food. (laughs) Um, I will go again next year and spend time with the Adderall Admiral as uh, Jeremy's calling. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, uh, glad you survived. Glad you uh, like also didn't come back with COVID as well, just mirac- yeah. miraculously. Listen, you get five shots, you can do anything. <laughs> you can go anywhere. I think. I think I'm not. I'm not scared of anything until I get COVID. Ed, and then I hope Ed, Ed's invincible. You hear that? You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm going to kill God. <laughs> All right. Wait a minute. I only got three. How did you get the other two? Um, I got... <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to Cuba for the Cuban one. Oh, okay. That's why no, you're able I to go to Austin and, and walk away without COVID. See, that's, that's the right, trick. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Well, on that note, then, uh, thank you. Glad, glad you survived. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Back in the cut. Um, and thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash this machine kills. Uh, for another episode for only $5 a month. So catch us there. Until then, see ya. Adios.